Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. As I said, um, you know, we're in, we're in a new series called uh, It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. And uh, it's, it's supposed to be all about, you know, family and it's supposed to be all about joy and peace. And, and when I think about Wonderful Life, I think of as we saw all the things happening. Like, it's a pretty chill month in December, if you didn't know that, for Awakened Church. Not really a lot going on. Pastor Jake and I were elbowing each other. Like, hey, we, we got a whole free month. We can do whatever we want. Um, but so many exciting things to bring people to. So many exciting things to bring people to. And uh, so there's a lot of things you can think of when you think of It's a Wonderful Life. One of the things besides my beautiful wife I think of when I think of It's a Wonderful Life is uh, my beautiful daughter, Brielle. Um, this will help you guys like me more. Yep, she's in your kids' church right now. Your amazing kids' church. Having the best time with all of your six months to 24 months, I think it is. And uh, just having a blast, uh, full of joy, and uh, and so I am I am super thankful to be a dad. That helps me have a wonderful life. But I also know that uh, you know having a wonderful life and and kind of this time of year can tend to be a either really really good time and can bring up a lot of good emotions for for some of us. And for some of us, it can bring up some really bad emotions. It can bring up and maybe even trigger us back to some things that we grew up with. And, and a lot of that has to do with the family dynamic we had growing up. And whether it was good, and that usually made holidays good. If it was bad, it made holidays worse. And, you know, I, um, you know, I didn't grow up with a perfect family. I grew up with, uh, you know, my mom and my dad up until I was nine years old and lost my dad to a heart attack really suddenly at nine years old. And so that messed with my childhood pretty early on. And maybe there's some of us here that have lost a family member or lost a parent or, or maybe have had a distant one or just haven't had a super functional one. And I'll tell you that family, whether it's perfect or not on this side of eternity, is still God's design. It is God's design. And, and, and you know, thank you, Adam and Eve, for screwing it up a little bit for us. But there was a perfect will there was a perfect will that God had for our family to have a mother and a father, a healthy mother and a healthy father and a healthy family um, and kids that never talked back. But, you know, that just, I mean, I wasn't that kid, so I can't necessarily expect that not to happen with my daughter who's babbling now, but I'm pretty sure she's still talking back. And, uh, but there is a permissible will, obviously, being in a fallen world. Um, and although I didn't grow up with a perfect family, I know that God saw the end from the beginning and that's why he actually created the church. He created the church to fill in the cracks, to be the family that we didn't have. And my wife and I don't come from a perfect family background, but God gave us a perfect family through the imperfect church. And I am grateful and standing here today a more complete person, a more healthy person, a person that can actually look at the holidays and, and just generally any time of year, especially living in San Diego, uh, they can say it's a wonderful life. I can stand here today and say I have a wonderful life, not because of the circumstances always around me, but because of what God has done in me. And I believe that tonight, for some of us that have maybe abdicated saying a perfect life couldn't be for me, it won't be for me, there's no possibility of it being for me, I believe that we're going to counter that, we're going to reject that, and we're going to declare the truth and actually see some healing done. And as I was praying for tonight, just as Pastor Michael was kind of saying, believing some things were gonna shift for us in our hearts and our minds and our souls, I felt even like I saw a picture of a rug. 
and uh, it was a nice rug. It was a really, really nice rug. And, uh, and, and, and the rug had some stuff that had been swept under. Just like we all sweep stuff under the rug every once in a while, but it was the rug of our, you know, the rug was symbolic of our hearts, of our minds. And I saw God tonight just asking if we'd be willing to lift up the rug and to sweep the stuff out so that we'd stop tripping over the same rug, the same time, the same place, every single year. And, uh, and so I believe tonight's gonna be really fun and really powerful, and, uh, and at the end, we're gonna, we're gonna pray for some people. So um, obviously, family can be amazing, and some of you are sitting here like, I had a great family, um, but also sometimes not so much. And uh, sometimes, you know, I, I remember growing up being like, man, I wish I could, like, customize my family, you know? Just customize, like, build a, you know, like, like Chipotle. You go to Chipotle, and you just build your own burrito, like, do it with their family. But you can't do that. But there are some things that you can customize, and uh, I was thinking about, you could, you could build a bear, Anybody build a bear? Is that still a thing? I think so. You can definitely do that. You can customize your build a bear. Um, back when I was uh, growing up, I remember these things called spinners for your car. Anybody remember spinners? Okay. Are they still cool? No. You like them. Thank you. At least somebody. Come on. And I remember they were so cool, and I would, I would drive around, and I would see other people with spinners. I'm like, man, that is cool. Like, that is so legit. And there, so there were these wheels that just spun, and they spun whether you were moving or not. So it actually looked like the car was moving even though it wasn't moving. So that's what spinners were. You could customize those. Um, didn't know, but now you know. You can customize water bottles. I don't know if this is Dasani or Aquafina, maybe Arrowhead. Probably not. It's probably actually, you know, it's probably Fiji. It's probably Fiji knowing us. And, uh, but it's awaken water tonight. Come on. Some holy water in there, so you can customize water bottles. And then lastly, Froyo. Come on, and any Froyo fans in here? Okay. Thank God. Thank God. Right campus. And uh, Froyo is so great. Now, what's not great about Froyo, and this is where I will pass a little bit of judgment, uh, is if you are the person that likes to put, like you make your dessert, but then you make it fruit, like you put fruit in it because you're trying to make it healthy, but it's like, it's not, it's not. It's dessert. It's dessert. It's dessert. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Yeah, yeah. So here's my, here's my Froyo order. If you're ever curious, if you ever want to try it, I think it's the only Froyo order that exists that is really, really, um, really, really good. So it's a mix of you know, cake batter, ice, you know, flavor, uh, chocolate, you know, some, maybe some peanut butter, maybe like a, like a little, you know, like a little bit of peanut butter, and then uh, some, some brownie, but then you put the Oreo on the bottom first, and then you do the Froyo, and then you do the Oreo on top, and then you do hot fudge. That is a Froyo order. Don't you wish you could customize your family like that? <laughs> this is how I'd customize my family. In case you were curious, maybe some of you would do the same. I would have a child without stinky diapers. That sounds like a good, yeah, sounds like an amen. Uh, I would have a spouse, I would have my wife uh, who thinks I'm always right. That would be just amazing. Um, even when I'm not right, but that's obviously not the case either. And then lastly, in-laws who ask us when we'd like them to visit and think whatever we suggest is amazingly generous. Yeah, yeah. We'll pay for that one later. Yeah, yeah, don't, no, 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 Pastor Jake, don't stand up. Yeah, he wasn't doing it. Oh, you had to go get something, right? You just said, yeah, 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 yeah. That was nothing to do with Pastor Joy. Yeah, okay. Now, while we can't customize our family like a Build-A-Bear or like our favorite Froyo order, we can be faithful with the family that God has given us here on earth and the one that we're building. And there was a man in the Bible who had to do just that. And there's a famous scripture that now Hobby Lobby has made millions and 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 millions of dollars on, uh, out of Joshua 24, verse 15. 
And uh, the context, and you can keep the scripture up, but the context is Joshua and Caleb were the two spies out of 12 that actually saw when they went to the promised land that there was possibility, that they saw that there was, there, was, there was some good in the land and that it was worth fighting for. And so they had a positive attitude. They had a faith attitude, whereas the other 10 didn't. And so what happened is they came back to all the Israelites and they said, hey guys, this is really good. There's some big grapes. We can make some really good wine. This is gonna be good for us. We can do it. And the other 10 were like, no, 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 we're small, we're tiny, it's not gonna work out. The wine's not worth it. Let's just, you know, they're probably Baptists. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but they, they just said, hey, it's not worth it. Like, we're, we're, we're too small. It's not going to work out. And, and, and all the Israelites agreed with the amen of the negative, with the amen of the bad report, with the amen of, hey, it's not worth fighting for. And among those people that agreed with the bad report and ended up spending the next 40 years in the wilderness and ended up actually dying in the wilderness and not going into the promised land was Joshua's family. Because it never said that Joshua's parents actually ended up passing. Joshua and Caleb were the only ones, and then the, the people that you know, came out of them were the only ones that actually passed in. That next generation um, did as well, but the former generation didn't. And so Joshua was stuck with a family that he didn't choose, that didn't even think like him, that maybe wasn't even the best circumstance for him. And yet he says this when he is entering the promised land and after he's taking some, uh, you know, ready to take some victory. And he's saying to the next generation of the Israelites, and he says this, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves the day, this day, whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river the ones before, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, as for me and my house, as for me and what I can control, as for me and what is in my power to do, we will serve the Lord. And so Hobby Lobby has made a lot of money on the title of my message tonight, not that they got it from me, but the title of my message tonight is As For Me and My House. So why don't you tap your neighbor and say, As For Me and My House. We will serve the Lord. There you go. Okay, and I believe that for us to do that properly and for us to see God's perfect will done in and through our lives and through our families, no matter the circumstances we walked into this world with, there are three things we must, we must do. And the first one is this, if you're taking notes. First thing we gotta do is we gotta make amends with the hand that we are dealt. Because all of us are dealt different hands in life, the family we come into, born into, you know, end up in, Sometimes it's amazing and sometimes it's honestly not so amazing. But at some point, if we wanna build an as for me and my house, and Joshua did that, he built an as for me and my house lineage and generation that actually saw God do what he hadn't done before, which was enter the promised land and take down 30 cities that were you know, raging against God. And uh, we need to actually take responsibility and we need to make amends with God first and then we need to make amends with our family if we wanna build a better future. And there's a really interesting passage of scripture, and a lot of us know it. It's called, you know, the story of the talents. And uh, in this story is someone who did not make amends with God. It's someone who did not make amends with God, and therefore the rest of their life and the rest of their opportunities that they were given to change their legacy were forever kind of tarnished or, or lost because they couldn't make amends with God. And the story goes like this. There was a master who was, you know, parable, so it's God, and then there are three servants who he leaves you know, a good fortune with. He leaves one with one talent, 
he leaves another guy with two talents and he leaves another guy with uh, five. Yep, math is good, memory is good, we can do this. And as he leaves, he says, hey, I'm coming back and when I come back, I want you to have produced something with what I've given you. And, you know, so the two talent guy's like, yeah, of course. Like, yeah, you're going to reward me when, when I come back, so I'm going to reproduce. So he does, and he builds four. And then the master says, hey, done, well done, good and faithful servant, and to the joy in your master. Now you can be ruler over, you know, ten cities. And then the guy with five talents does the same thing. He says, yep, I trust the master, and I know he's going to reward me if I do good. So he takes what he has, and he multiplies it, and then he goes on, and he, you know, multiplies it, and then, the master's really well pleased. Now, the guy with the one talent, he doesn't do anything with it. He buries the talent. And then the master comes back and says, hey, uh, why didn't you do anything with this one talent? Even if you would have put it in the bank and gained interest, it would have been better for me, but you wicked and lazy servant. And then, he, and then the, the, the one talent guy pipes back off. It's like, dude, you probably should have just shut up. He might have let you off the hook. You might not have had to be thrown into something you didn't want to. And yet he pipes back off and he says, you harvest where you have not sown. You, and, he, and he just starts accusing the master of things that he probably has no insight on. And the revelation that I was thinking of as I was preparing this message was the guy with the one talent was the only guy that didn't see God right. He saw God to be wicked. He saw God to be one who was distant. He saw God to be one who doesn't reward. And so guess what? He, that affected what he did on earth with the thing that he was given. And yet the other two were fine. Now, if the guy with one had made amends with the master, had made amends with God, had seen him right, had forgiven him, and had allowed him to be restored in his view of him, he would have easily been secure enough to ask the guy with two talents and ask the, the guy with five talents, hey, how did you do that? How did you reproduce? Because if, if you can do it, then I can do it because it's the same God we're serving. He's not partial to anyone. If he'll do it for you, he'll do it for me. And so I can find that if we don't make amends with God, if we don't see him right, We'll actually blame him for all of our circumstances, not realize he's given us the power within us to change what's in front of us. And if we can do that and actually leverage the power of the community of the church, our lives can be a wonderful life. And there's some examples of this when we don't forgive, when we don't honor, that we see some dysfunction. So Exodus 20 verse 12 says this, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. That's a good promise. Romans 8, 28 says this, and we know that all things work together for good, all things. Bad things, good things, okay things, they all work together for good. And that word good is actually profitable, it's beneficial, and it's like, it's like actually for good. It's not net zero, it's actually for your gain to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Matthew 6, 14 says this, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. A lot of us would think it's the other way around, but actually you have to forgive others if we wanna be first forgiven. And then lastly is Mark eleven twenty five, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, that's a tough one, forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. And it's a lot easier to read that than it is to live that. And I remember when I was growing up being so angry that my dad wasn't around. I remember being so angry because I would go to sporting events, I would go to school events, I would go to friends' houses and they'd have a dad. 
And I remember being so upset at my dad, yeah, a little bit, but at God. Because I grew up in, okay, let's just get this out of the way. I grew up Catholic and Jewish. Very confusing. Yeah, wow, okay, that explains all the weirdness, yeah. Um, and so I grew up Catholic and Jewish. So I'd go to Catholic Mass on Sunday, I'd go to Jewish synagogue on Friday, and, you know, I wonder why I grew up so jacked up. Because C.S. Lewis has this quote, and he says, you know, there's three things about, you know, Christianity that they can be. Christianity can either, one, be of ultimate significance, it can be of no significance, but one thing it cannot be is of moderate significance. And yet I was raised basically saying that it was moderately significant because I went to Catholic Mass on Sundays and I would honestly fall asleep 10 minutes in, so I had no idea what they were saying about Jesus. Um, and then when I woke up, I would look up and I would see a crucifixion, I would see a Jesus, but he was dead. And then I would sit in that service and I felt no life. There was nothing happening. I never heard about any miracles. I didn't even hear about God speaking to people. Everybody just seemed to be repeating a prayer that they were given before they walked in that I wasn't given. And then you got to go up and drink some wine and I wasn't allowed to. So I was like, this seems a little whack. And then I go to synagogue on Friday and I say, who's Jesus? And they're like, Jesus, Jesus, yeah. Yeah, Jesus, yeah, yeah, good, good guy, good guy. Uh, good teacher, good prophet even. That's it. Okay. And so I remember being angry at a God who I didn't know because I wasn't taught about a God who loved me. I wasn't taught about a God who could work all things together for good. I wasn't taught about a God who gave me an overcoming spirit. I wasn't taught about a God who was close. And so I grew up angry with God and angry with, you know, my family. And, and, it, and it made it really hard because my mom, she had no choice in the matter, yet she was the one that was, you know, receiving all the heat from my angry self who didn't know how to cope. And she didn't have us in a church community where I could receive healing in a junior high or in a high school ministry. And, and so it obviously culminated and made some things really difficult for my family. And it wasn't until I made amends with others and with God that things started to change. And I still remember the day that, you know, I got saved. It was, okay, God, like you're real, you're here, you can heal me. And it was the moment where I said, okay, God, I forgive you for, you know, and I actually found out for the first time he didn't cause my dad to die. He, he had no hand in that. That was the devil. So anything bad that's ever happened to you, just immediately know it had, God had nothing to do with it. It didn't mean that God didn't want it to stop. It didn't, like God, now he's able to work it together. He's able to heal, he's able to restore, he's able to redeem. But that was the devil. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus came that we might have life. And so immediately in that moment, I'm like, cool, God, we're good. We're so good. We're tight. We're close. And then I remember being saved for a few months. And I was right in this wave of I am on cloud night. I don't care what my family thinks because they thought I was crazy. Um, and, uh, and then I remember one day I went to this, uh, I went to the movie theater of all places. And uh and I went to see this movie called War Room with my connect group. And yeah, come on, you got a fan in here. Wow, a few of you, okay, you've all seen this. It's a really powerful movie, but I remember in it, it was all about forgiveness. And I remember being so moved because there was a, you know, there was, there was an opportunity in there basically at the end where it, you know, there was a challenge to forgive. And I walk out and I think everything's fine. And then, you know, our connect group's like, hey, let's just stand out here for a second and just talk about the movie. I'm like, okay. And then everyone's like, hey, uh, and our connect leader was like, hey, I really feel like there's some people here who need to forgive your family. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I think I'm gonna go get some Froyo. 
But no, it was, it was, and then I felt the Holy Spirit say, yeah, you need to forgive your mom. And then you need to actually go apologize to your mom. And you need to apologize to your sister for how you treated them growing up. And I remember so convicted in that moment, but it was, I, I remember immediately I forgave them. I released them. And then I remember I went home a few weeks later, um, you know, to spend some time with them. And I remember telling them, hey, I actually need to ask for you to forgive me because of how I treated you growing up. And I remember that breakthrough moment was things starting to shift. And right after that, I started the internship. I met my beautiful wife. God started to move and all the things started happening in my life. But I know that it, it wasn't until I made amends with God and with other people, we actually won't be able to step into a future legacy and the new story that God wants to write for us and our family. So that's point number one. Point number two is choose a new legacy. Because once we've made amends with the past in order for us to establish a new legacy for our families, we must look to a picture of possibility for our future and establish some values that will help us live that new lifestyle out. Joshua does this. Joshua 24 verse 13 says this. It says this. So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua and Moses went up to the mountain of God. Exodus 33 verse 11 said this. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. You see, Joshua, being one without a picture of possibility in his earthly family, needed one in someone else. And at the time, obviously, there wasn't the church, but there was a people of God, a community of God. And that's what Moses became to him. All of us just need one person. We all just need someone. They don't always just need to be a pastor. They need to be a connect leader. They need to be someone who has the fruit in their life that's planted in the house of God that can be the person we say, wow, if God can do it for them, maybe he can do it for me. And Joshua was the one who watched Moses and he would watch Moses lead in times of difficulty. He would watch Moses go and connect and worship God and then come out and be the leader that he was called to be. He saw him lead his family in a challenging and difficult time. And it was the one that actually changed how Joshua thought. You see, Moses knew God's ways. He didn't just knew what God did. And what's powerful is if we can learn to model someone and learn from someone who actually knows God's ways, meaning how God thinks and knows his word and knows and has a relationship with him, then we can actually grow up and learn how to walk in God's ways as well and have the fruit of that in our life. And because I didn't grow up in a Christian home and, and really didn't even have a marriage I could look up to, um, when I met Tanae and you know, we realized that uh, you know, we were in the same boat, she didn't grow up with a dad, and uh, she didn't see a marriage, and our moms did their very best to surround us with people, but we weren't in a church environment all the time, and so we didn't see a healthy model of marriage. And so I'm very thankful for this church because when we came into this church, we saw pictures of possibility in Pastor Michael and Lisa Hunley. We saw pictures of possibility in Pastor John and Becky and Pastor Matt and Michaela Hubbard and Pastor Matt and Loren Tuggle, who were our young adult pastors. We saw healthy pictures of possibility for what a marriage and what a family could look like. We even had the opportunity to live with some of them for a season of time, and it really made a difference because we could watch them and say, wow, that's how a married couple should act. Wow, that's how you should do this. Wow, that's how you should talk about finances. Wow, that's how, and that's why I love our church because at the end of the day, all you have to look to is, is, is see how people are living, be around them, be in your connect groups and say, wow, I'm just gonna follow the leader. I'm just gonna follow the leader. And, uh, and it's that reason that we can stand here today and have a, you know, not perfect, but a healthy marriage. 
and, uh, and live today and, uh, and have a beautiful daughter and still learning as we go very much, but um, a healthy picture of possibility makes all the difference. And we're one step closer now because of the healthy models that we have to having that new legacy of a as for me in my house. And so if you're not in community, if you're not in a connect group, if you're not serving on team, if you're not in this world and you're kind of on the outside, it's time to step into what God has for you. And the only way to do that is through community. So the last step that we have is to commit to living in community with those who share our values and vision, which is AKA the church. Commit to living in community with the church. You see, once I made amends with the past, identified and followed a picture of possibility for our future family, we must commit to doing life in community with the family that God has built for us. Psalm 92, 13 says this, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And it's a beautiful scripture because it's true. You talk to anybody in this building that's been planted for any amount of time that's you know, beyond a few months and you'll find, wow, their life is flourishing. Wow, look what God's doing in their finances. Wow, look what God's doing in their relationships. Wow, look what God's doing in their mindset and their emotions and all these things. But it has nothing, almost nothing, almost nothing to do with the seed. And it has everything to do with the soil. Jesus tells a parable in you know, part of the beginning of his ministry and he's telling all these parables, a lot of stories. And uh, in one of the stories, he says, hey, this parable is the most important parable. If you don't get this one right, you're in trouble because <laughs> this is the one, this is the one. And he talks about the seed falling on different ground. He said, one falls on a stony ground, one falls on the wayside, one falls amongst the thorns, and then one falls on good soil. And that good soil is the only one that actually produced any kind of harvest that remained. And that harvest was 30, 60, 100 folds. Wow, that sounds a lot like those who are planted in the house of God shall flourish in the courts of their God. That sounds a lot like that scripture. And so what I can tell you is this, if you start to look, when I came to this church, I started to look and see this fruit seems too good to be true. In other words, like these people's lives seem too wonderful. There's no way God could be this good. There's no way that the community of God could be this good. There's no way that something that feels like a nightclub when you walk in could actually produce a life that, that is real, that is on the cutting edge, and that is powerful, that is miraculous. And yet, if you stay here long enough and you talk to enough people, you realize those smiles aren't fake. You realize that those God stories are actually real. <laughs> and you realize that people actually care and believe more in you than you could ever believe in yourself. You see, I, I believe that God designed community, designed the church because he foreknew that our lives here would not be perfect, but that the family of God, that he could work and he could craft and he could put together puzzle pieces better than any of us ever could. And that's what he's done in the church. It's why he established the 12 tribes in the Old Testament it's why he established the local church in the New Testament. They're not man ideas. They're not just good ideas, they're God ideas. And if they're God ideas, they're not ours to uphold, they're his. And I found that if I can get on board with a God idea, then my life can change. And my life up until I was at Awaken was a product of my environment. You've all, many of us have heard that. And, you know, there's an opportunity to to make yourself a part of a new environment. And this environment is, once again, it's not a good one. It's not just a man environment. It's a God environment. And if you can plant yourself in a God environment, then everything can start to change. And 
A God environment is really simple, I found, to get connected to. First thing, first, if you're not in a connect group, get in a connect group. Get in a connect group, it's that simple. I remember the, one of the first, the second Sunday, the first time I came, I think five people were like, hey, what's your name? You're I'm like, how'd you know I'm new? You know, it's like, and yet they all were inviting me to connect groups. So I'm like, what's a connect group? They're like, oh, we all just, you know, there's a lot of people here. We just all go hang out outside of this. We have eat food and we pray for each other. And, you know, we like do, we just hang out. I'm like, wow, that sounds amazing. And then I would go and I'd realize, wow, like I'm actually getting real prayer. People are like connecting with me throughout the week. We're not just doing this. Like we're going to other places and hanging out. My connect leader uh, knew I was kind of coming out of some serious dysfunction. Um, and so he was like, uh, hey, why don't we like go hang out like before we do all this connect stuff. And then he took me to, um, he took me to a, a, a bar to have one beer because he knew I, I hadn't in the past really ever had just one beer. And, uh, and so he took me and he started to like, just talk to me about God. I'm like, can we talk about this stuff here? Like, is this okay? He's like, yeah, bro, God's cool. Are you cool? He's like, yeah, I think I'm cool with it. So there, we're not religious here. We like to show you that God can actually be with you everywhere you go. And that it's less about what you've walked in with and it's more about what are you willing to step into when you come here. Another way, if you're not involved yet, is serving is a big part of this church, is a big part of the community. If you haven't gone through DNA, go to DNA. It's amazing. You'll find out about our church, you'll find out about yourself and you'll get to be a part of what God's doing. And I don't know about you, but if Jesus gave me new life, if Jesus really did save my life, if he really gave me eternal life and I didn't have to do anything for it other than respond with my heart, I decided a long time ago, I, I, by the time we get to heaven, it's gonna be over. There's gonna be nothing I can do for God at that point. But while I'm here, I will give everything I am. I will give all that I have to Jesus in the one thing that he's building. He's not building anything else other than the church. And so I decided you know, a little bit after getting saved that, hey, if he did this for me, I'm gonna do this for him. And it's one of the most rewarding things we can ever do because as we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things, everything you ever want can be added to you and he will cause your life to flourish. So as we close here, I'd love if everyone could, if, if everyone could actually stand to your feet. I'd love for just pray for a moment to see if there's anybody here that isn't in relationship with God that needs to be. And then, as we come to a close, if, if things were maybe triggered or if maybe there was something that you realized, wow, I need, to, I need to forgive somebody. I need to forgive my family. I need to forgive this person. I need to forgive myself. Or maybe you're here and you say, I need to take a step and I need to get involved. I need to get connected. Or maybe you're here and you're just on the outside. And you're like, I don't even know anybody that could, I could look to to a picture of possibility. Tonight, I would love for you to come forward and pray with us, pray with a team and allow God to move in your heart and in your life. So if everyone could bow your heads, close your eyes just for a moment. We'd love to pray for those of us that do not currently have a living relationship with Jesus. The Bible says that God so loved the world and he didn't just love the world in general. He loved you and he loved me specifically. He so loved and he knew us specifically. He knew we'd be alive today. He so loved us that he sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross and to be resurrected so that whoever believed in Jesus, whoever believed that Jesus actually was the Son of God resurrected that came to take our sin, that whoever believed in him would not perish in hell because there is a heaven and there is a hell, but that they would have, they would have life and have life eternally. And how we respond to Jesus in this life actually determines how we spend the next. 
And so if you're in this room and you've never, you're, maybe you're like me and you're like, you never had a relationship with Jesus and you're like, oh, I didn't know I could have a relationship with God. Tonight, I wanna encourage you to step into that and receive the open invitation he's given you to enter that relationship and you'll find your life flourishes in ways you never thought possible. The second type of person I'd love to pray for is someone who once was in relationship with God, but somehow you fell away, ran away, walked away, and you know, you're just far from God today. And you know, you need to get right with him and you need to re-enter a relationship with him. So on the count of three, I want you, if you're in any of those two groups, I would love for you just to slip up your hand as everyone's heads bowed and their eyes closed, just so I know who I'm praying for. One, friend, God loves you. Two, I promise you'll never be the same. Three, if you could lift your hand wherever you're at, beautiful. I see that hand, incredible. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, Jesus, I see that hand. Church, if you're in here, just begin praying and believing that God would save. Thank you, Jesus, I see that hand. If you're sitting there and your heart's racing really fast and you're like, man, I wish this guy would shut up so I get out of here, that might be you. Just lift your hand if that's you. It's the Holy Spirit knocking on the door of your heart. I'll wait five more seconds because someone waited five seconds for me. Is there just one more person? Beautiful, thank you, Jesus, beautiful. You can open your eyes. Come on, we had a few people respond to Jesus and give their life over to him. So proud of you all. If you're standing here and, you're, and we're all gonna say this prayer and we're gonna pray this with all of our heart, soul, strength. If you're, uh, if you're one of those few people that raised your hand, I want you to pray this with all that you are because raising your hand doesn't necessarily get you into heaven, but responding with your heart. The Bible says if we believe with our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, then we shall be saved. So let's all say this. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross. Thank you for saving my life. And thank you for resurrecting to give me new life. I turn away from my old life and instead I turn to you and believe that you will give me a wonderful life. I declare you are my savior and you are my Lord. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen, amen. Beautiful, come on, one more time. Can we give it up for those incredible people that responded? I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for everyone here and then I'm gonna pass it over to Pastor Michael. But I want you to lift your hands and respond and believe that God would heal, God would restore, God would make new. And for those of you that are sitting here today and know that you need to make a step, know that you need to forgive. We're gonna have our ministry come up, even if they could come up uh, right now and just begin to prepare for you as, as, as you would come down. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you that you are the God who heals because you are the God who cares about our future. Father, I thank you that every wound, every situation, every circumstance, even things that were done to people that seem unfathomable, Father, I thank you that you have given us capacity to forgive because you've forgiven us. And if you can forgive us, Father, we can forgive others. So Father, I thank you for a courage and a strength to forgive those who we don't feel deserve forgiveness because we didn't deserve forgiveness. Father, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is moving now, you're healing hearts, and Father, you're preparing us for the wonderful life ahead that you have for us. That even if we have a good life, Father, you have a better life for us in you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, 
For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.